The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. It's Friday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you bring on Purdue. Elijah brought the whiskey. I brought the beer. It's a boiler make a Friday. I wish. I wish one of us had thought ahead to do this, but uh, good to have you in. You can join us today on Hale Varsity Radio. Numbers to get in, 466-3776-800-825-5865. Numbers to get in, email chris at halevarsity.com. And uh, find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah and uh, email chris at alevarsity.com again. So when you hear the term boilermaker, what do you think of first? Do you think of Dumb and Dumber and Seabass and make it for boilermakers? Do you think of the, the shot of whiskey in the beer? In some instances, you put the shot in the beer, all right, like the movie A River Runs Through It. Or do you think of that creepy creepy mascot in the stupid train i'll be honest with with you when i think of boilermakers i i tend to lean towards the drink or 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 big dog glenn robinson or gene katie's miraculous comb over and and a little bit drew Brees, right and uh those early 2000 teams that that beat kids state in the Alamo Bowl. <laughs> when I was young and uh, we joined the Big Ten, Purdue Pete haunted my dreams. Well, because he's got the sledgehammer and the uh, the, the the unwavering eyes, right? And yeah. he's got the he's he's the engineer, mm-hmm. but he stares into your soul. He, he does. really does. So, but it's it's been <laughs> soul taking for Nebraska the last two trips there. Uh, not good. Not good with Riley fifty five forty five. Uh, you had last year that was just a, a debacle. It came down to it. And then this year, and Tom Chattel's got a good story that just came out, and he's probably not wrong. You know, Nebraska needs to, to win out, and that's not impossible other than, you know, Nebraska always plays the opponent and always plays themselves, it seems like, every Saturday. But Nebraska could flip things around and start off a little run Tomorrow at 11 o'clock on BTN. Uh, We'll dive into what may happen and some things that need to happen. Derek Peterson's going to be with us from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine in about 15 minutes. Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports, Bill Dolman at uh, 5.05. And then uh, a recruiting uh, recon hit with Greg Smith. And we'll have the Friday forecast for you. We are going to effort Clausburn. 
he has been away for for way too long, and we don't know how uh, how Clausborn's trip south of the border always go for him. So uh, if we don't have Claus, you'll have me and Elijah doing uh, steak and beer bets about five or six times over. Make it real interesting. Yeah, we're uh, if we're gonna do that, I need some boiler makers. Okay, <laughs> just just so there's an excuse built in. Oh yeah. So uh, we'll dive into it. But listen, uh, want to start off with this. And and Bill Moose talked with Mitch Sherman, talked with Mitch Sherman uh, this morning on our KFOR tailgate, and it was good to get caught up with Mitch. And a, a lot of things were covered in Mitch's story, but the first thing that was addressed was this notion out there about job security, Nebraska, and Scott Frost. And it was a podcast by Pete Thamel from Yahoo. And I don't know who else was on the podcast. I didn't listen to it. But you had Herman and Frost as kind of your headlines, okay, of of guys on the hot seat. And then the, the token Michigan and, and Harbaugh, right? And that, I... I think really pissed off bill moose you're what 11 days 12 days 13 days from that december 16th through 19th signing day window and national guys have contacts national guys are going to hear lots of things around the campfire from all of their different people in different conferences power five group of five whatever and i don't doubt that guys like thamel and people you've disagreed with vehemently during this Big Ten, let's bash Nebraska, let's return to football chant that has grown loud and engaged a lot of Twitter timelines. And I'm talking the 40s of the world and the Wetzels of the world. Nebraska fans will always fight back and have Nebraska's back. That's just the, the fan base, right? But when it comes to just throwing crap against the wall, Listen, the, the record is what it is. It's 10 and 19 for Scott Frost in year three. The record for Scott Frost against Northwestern is uh, one and two. Uh, you're, you're 0 and 2 against Wisconsin. You're going to be 1 and 2 or 0 and 3 against Purdue. You're 2 and 1 against the Illini. Okay. And you are 0 for against Iowa. You're not getting curb stomped by anybody. Uh, Illinois did curb stomp you, but you get my point. I mean, You've been gradually closing that gap, but it's still double-digit losses to Wisconsin. And uh, I think you're one and one pending a two and one or one and two against Minnesota. So the neighborhood you live in, you're 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 over five hundred <laughs> against Illinois. That's it, okay. And anywhere else, anybody else it'd be all right to start questioning and doubting. And it's okay to question and doubt now, but to, to go that step of saying, yeah, Scott Frost is on the hot seat as a national college football guy with the stature of Yahoo in your podcast, it's fun to talk coaching carousel, but have some some evidence with it. And there's there's none. There, there is none with it. And Bill Moose came out in The Athletic and says, he's here as long as I'm here. Things and support are great. Now, Nebraska needs to to win some football games, and that can start tomorrow. I'm interested to see, uh, as as more people chirp about Nebraska, you know, what 
what is the problem? Why are things still just a grind? Why are you still, and it's going to be a mountain climb. We all know that, but it's an issue. Uh, and, and you hate going here with culture because it just, it, it, you feel like it's an excuse. And when the coach talks about it, you're like, okay, we, we, he's talking clapping. He's talking accountability. I mean, there's a hundred different things that go into making a good football team. And what you're not seeing very many Saturdays is, is A, taking care of the football. I mean, Nebraska uh, has 55 turnovers since 2018. So you're not taking care of the football. Uh, you're not uh, great against the run. You're better this year, but that's taken some time to, to get the right pieces and be more of a Big Ten, let's stop the run defense. Nebraska's recruited well. But your attrition... While it worked for P.J. Fleck to flip the roster his first two years and in year three, bang, have an 11-3, and three, you're seeing some, some issues with the, the talent. I wonder moving forward as you reassess you know, this third year, whether Nebraska wins out and gets to four and four, whether Nebraska sticks with two or three wins, whether Nebraska ends up with only one, one win, there's going to be a major reassessment. You're going to be, get introspective as a head coach and as a staff. And we'll get into this with Greg Smith in a little bit recruiting-wise, but Nebraska right now is at the point where they need, they need Omar Mannings. They need uh, Mo Washingtons. They need Flemings. They need guys that are just absolute difference makers with their talent. And you saw glimpses of that with Mo. You'll see glimpses of that with Omar Manning if and when he ever gets on the field. And you saw a guy like Fleming come in against the Big Ten's best defense and one of the best defenses in college football in his third game. Second game, excuse me, because Wisconsin didn't happen. In his second game, get on the field five for 75, right? But I think what Nebraska has done in order to get some wins is go talent first and hope the, the good rubs or erases some of the immaturity. I don't want to say bad, but some of the immaturity. And it turns out, and I don't know each full detail case, but clearly you had in immaturity in a guy who couldn't hack it for multiple reasons in, in Mo Washington. Okay. Uh, you're waiting for Omar to get on the field and get healthy. And then you had Fleming and Delancey leave. High profile kids. But Nebraska reached because you're you were wowed by their talent, and you beat out some teams for them. But when push comes to shove, by different accounts, when I talk to some folks in the football know, it's it's the Monday through Friday that some of these dudes can handle. And right now in that locker room, there's no peer enforcement. That's still building, all right? And you have an issue right now where – you have some guys that are playing that are are those talent difference makers, but man, they need to clean up their Monday through Friday. But yet, you're Scott Frost, and you want to go recruit talent, but you want guys to go about it the right way Monday through Friday. Friday, You want the work ethic to equal the talent, 
right? And you just have, and it's always been this way. It's not just 2020 kids. It's not just 2019 kids. It's not just 1995 kids. It's not just 1990. I'm just go go through the years, right? You'll just end up making a mistake that ends up not panning out for you because you go with talent over the type of person and teammate a kid is. You want the whole ball of wax. You don't always get that. And in today's day and age, kids will just bolt. And there's a history of kind of high school hopping around the country. There's a history of team hopping around. You probably know somebody that that has jumped and flipped teams. It's just how things have worked with AAU, right? Just to, to cite an example. So that's one thing that I think is contributing to 10 and 19. You need dudes. You need difference makers. But are you getting the guy that can be patient and work his way up and and handle 21 plays against Penn State in a win and be okay with that versus a guy that is ticked off that he saw 40 plays, five catches, 75 yards, and was happy that he contributed, but he's pissed. He's more pissed in a win than a loss because he didn't get the football. So... Nebraska is sifting through that. Another uh, insider with the Big Ten in Adam Rittenberg's story today touches on Nebraska's coaching staff. And this is the quote. It's Nebraska. They threw a bunch of money at you. You build the best staff you can, says one industry source. Showing loyalty to everybody who helped you at UCF. I don't know if that was the right move. I think he makes wholesale staff changes. That is an industry insider. I don't know. And listen, as a Nebraska fan, you see a lot of things wrong with your football team. You're ticked off at the quarterback play. You're ticked off at the offensive line play. You're ticked off at the receiver play. You just made a change there. Uh, defensively, what's going on? I don't think you can be the. Uh, let's take the Illinois part, and you can't like ignore it. But let's let's look at the defense this year. I think the defense has been good enough. Like Nebraska could easily, very easily be four and one. I, I think the defense is good enough to win you games. Your it, offense has been offense. scoring 20 a game. Mm-hmm. That's garbage. I mean, we talked about this before the year. We said, what was the number that the Husker offense had to get for them to be able to mid-30s. compete every game? We said mid-30s. I think I said 35. Mm-hmm. The Husker offense has been nowhere close. The defense has been holding teams below 30 points. With yeah. consistency. The defense has been good enough. The defense hasn't been the problem. So wholesale staff change, I think, is but, ridiculous. But, but again, back to this national outlook of not knowing what you're talking about. I mean, it, when 2020, loyalty is just a word in the dictionary, especially in sports. It well, is. But I, when, I, when I, look at, I, I look at this staff, though, Elijah, and I'm like, I know you're three. They need to like kick it in gear. And they need to win tomorrow if you're a Nebraska Mm -hmm. fan. They need to beat Minnesota if they get a chance to play Minnesota. They need to beat Michigan or Rutgers. I mean, you know, you'll get your game tomorrow against Purdue. And then you're either going to get Minnesota or you're going to get Rutgers, okay, to end the regular season. Because it doesn't look like Michigan's going to play Ohio State. 
So that means it's going to be the makeup of Maryland, Ohio State. And then right now you're probably seeded if you can put some wins together to, to take on a Michigan or a Michigan State. So you have a real chance to end up 4-4. Four and four. But you got to get your offense figured out. And I think some ways Nebraska can tomorrow, a quarterback run, but I think you're probably going to see Mills, all right? I think you're probably going to see Tompkins. So you can you can lean on that one-two running punch and figure out who's going to get open and catch the football. Now, your special teams can't tell Purdue's special teams to hold my beer. That'll be your difference tomorrow. First team to 30 wins tomorrow. And uh, you can't get worn out assuming Moore and Bell play. We don't know who's all going to be MIA for Purdue, but the line's not on to one and a half. We'll dive more into this. Derek Peterson's on the way. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio listen? On Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Great to be with you on a Friday. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. How does Nebraska get it done in West Lafayette? Again, when you hear Boilermaker, do you think of the drink or the creepy mascot? We say hi to Derek Peterson at Dr. PDHV on Twitter. So we'll pose you that first question, Derek. The drink or the mascot? There's a Boilermaker drink? I didn't know about this. Really? Did you ever see Dumb and Dumber? Uh, a long time ago. So it's it's not in, in one of your top fives, I take it? No, it's not, no. We got to talk. Jim, Jim Carrey is, uh, it's Jim Carrey, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, he, he's, he, I can kind of take or leave Jim Carrey. Man. <clears throat> I'm sorry. No, that's, that's okay. If you'd like to leave, I can leave. No, I, I don't want you to leave. I mean, <laughs> the, the Dumb and Dumber... The just check out the uh, the the sea bass part about uh, make it four boiler makers. It's a shot of whiskey in your beer. That sounds dangerous. It sounds like yes. Well, <laughs> you may need it to get through tomorrow. Is what I'm telling you. Um, <laughs> just as a simpleton, it's just a whiskey beer to me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> as as, a, as a, okay. an Elijah off the top rope with the steel chair. As a simpleton. <laughs> So I, I need to, to get into your, your story, man. Congrats on another just really awesome co- column and story on com. And you uh, explored the snap issue. Give folks yeah. a little, uh, little uh, you know, info on, on your, your story, who you spoke with, and just uh, your takeaway. Uh, well, I actually got to give a shout out to Mike Babcock first. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I texted him on Sunday and said, hey, I want to write about Cam snapping, who are some former players that I should reach out to. And he gave me a handful of recommendations. And Rob and and Matt Hoskinson were the two guys that I was able to to get in touch with on short notice. And um, Matt was really interesting in that he he played guard, left guard, center, and right guard throughout school. And he kind of prided himself on – you know, he told me that he was like, I had learned early on that my path to the field was going to be learning how to snap the football. And so, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was interesting to talk to those guys. I made the joke to both of them that I was like, so like 
you know, I'm, I'm going to ask you if, if the lines that you played on ever went through any kind of issues, like similar to what Cam's going through now. And I kind of prefaced that question with like, I wasn't alive when you guys were playing. So if you were. <laughs> um, and they reacted I, how? I don't know about it. They, uh, well, Rob told me, well, I did not need to hear that, Derek. Um, and, feel old. and that's, Matt, doc, that's Matt, Dr. Rob to a T. <laughs> Matt just laughed. Um, so, but, you know, I really appreciated the, the insight that those guys gave. And, um, you know, in particular, Matt, he really kind of broke down uh, and spelled out some of the, the technical things that you can see with Cam and, and his snap. And, you know, once he, once he talked about those things, I kind of went back through and watched him play a handful of times and was like, oh, yeah, there it is right there in front of my face, um, you know, heads not over the ball. Um, he can get a little, Matt uses the phrase wristy um, mm-hmm. with his snap, which tends to go high and right. And, um, you know, the the thing that was, was interesting to me was that both of those guys, um, and then obviously, you know, Scott and Adrian on the team currently, like the people around Cam Jurgens kind of feel like, look, like, yeah, he's got to get it worked out. Yeah, it's, it's, something that needs to get fixed relatively soon for their offense, just because of the timing component of it. But, you know, most, um, I'd say the, the people with opinions that matter, and I'm not going to put myself in that camp because I was pretty critical of Cam as well, um, believe that he'll get it turned around and believe that he's going to have a, a really, really bright future and career as a center. Um, and it was interesting that Scott Frost, kind of emphatically said on Monday of this week that Canton is too talented a player to take off the field, and he's too talented a player to move out of that center position. Um, and so, like, you know, in that same moment, Scott acknowledged, like, hey, it's got to get fixed. It has to be better. Everybody kind of says that, but, you know, I, it's interesting that everybody still feels very strongly about um, his his potential as a center, and one of the things that Rob pointed out was, you know, when you when when the snap is good, um, and Hoskinson agreed with this. When the snap is good, like he's crushing dudes. Um, he's been, you know, when the snap is good, he's one of their better offensive linemen. Um, it's just you know one of those things where, like Matt said, when you have a bad snap, you know it immediately, and it just throws off everything else just because of how quickly things happen when you're in the middle. Derek, well, what's your take on the offensive line as a whole this year? I know the, the snaps have been a bit of a scapegoat uh, for the offensive line and their play this year, um, but there was high hopes for the offensive line coming in uh, on the season, a lot of returning experience. And I'm not sure that they've always lived up to expectations, but what's your take on that? Yeah, it's, you know, it's the classic case of, of expectations kind of influencing perception. You know, we were the, the stuff that we heard was that Brendan Hymas would be um, one of the best left tackles in the country, um, that, that the offensive line would be a strength of the team. And that's not to say that Brennan Hymas has played poorly. Um, I don't think he's been the issue at all. Um, but they haven't been a strength of the team. Um, they haven't been consistent. And so, you know, I think they get evaluated a little bit based on what the expectation was coming in as opposed to just evaluating them straight up. Um, you, you know, you could call that unfair or whatever, but – I, I have been disappointed with the way that the offensive line has played um, because, you know, the expectation was that they were going to be a strength of the team. The expectation was that Nebraska was going to be able to run the football successfully and, and for long stretches of the season, the only success Nebraska's had rushing the ball has come with the quarterbacks. Um, 
you know, there there are a lot of other reasons for that. It's not just the offensive line. Cedric Mills being out plays a factor there. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, it's it's it hasn't been the season that any of those guys expected. Um, and you know, that's that's caused the offense some problems. Derek Peterson's with us, HailVarsity.com and Magazine, at Dr. PDHV on Twitter is where you find him. Derek, let's go to, to West Lafayette. Uh, your gut says what for Saturday tomorrow with Nebraska and Purdue in this matchup? Is, do you think Nebraska gets on the, the right side, or is this just another, uh, another movie that, that too many have seen this year with almost but not quite? It'll be really interesting to see what's going on with Purdue. Um, the, the reporting out of West Lafayette is that they've had a, a significant um, issue with opt-outs so far. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see who's kind of on the field warming up, ready to go um, before kickoff. You know, if they've got, I don't want to name names because I don't, I don't have any inside information, but if they've got significant pieces out, you know, you, you feel better about Nebraska's chances. Um, what's the line right now? It's close, right? It's down. It's, 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 it's dro- no, it's dropped. I mean, it's dropped in half. It's it's down to one and a half. And my math. Yeah, so it's essentially, essentially a pick 'em. It is. Um, my math says it's if we're talking opt outs, um, and I don't have inside inside info either. But if if you see that line move, it means that you probably don't have Rondale Moore. <laughs> okay, and yeah. also you know if you're Nebraska. The, the fingers that have been crossed may work to Nebraska's favor with with Mills back. And I'm not saying Mills is worth a point and a half or a half a point or a quarter of a point, but you get a, a healthy Mills back with the run game uh, on top of the quarterback run, I mean, that's music for Nebraska, right? So that's that's my yeah. crazy math, at least. That's, that's my lean. But uh, I think that's going to be tight and it's going to be – also, which special teams decides to suck least tomorrow between the two teams? <laughs> well, I mean, like that's the that's kind of the story of the season for Nebraska is like, can it play a perfect game? Which is which is where it's at. Uh, can it can it play a game without um, mistakes? That's that's a that's a really hard thing to do with a normal team. That's an even harder thing to do with. Um, the youth that Nebraska has on its roster. So we'll see. Um, I, I was encouraged by the way that Adrian Martinez played um, a week ago against Iowa. Really encouraged, I would say. Um, I don't I don't charge him with the fumble at the end of the game. Um, so we'll we'll see. Um, they gotta you know they gotta avoid the 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 holding on the big the big fourth down or the fourth quarter run that Adrian had, that holding was, was killer. They got to avoid those kind of untimely mistakes. Um, and it's like, that's what we said all season long. So I guess to answer your question, like there's the potential that we see the same thing um, that we have seen, you know, it's, it's the ball's in Nebraska's court at this point in terms of what we see on, on Saturdays. It's not necessarily about how they match up with certain position groups or anything like that. It's like, can they play a clean game? Derek Peterson with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. Derek, about two minutes left, and it feels like I ask you this question every single week, uh, but I think it's important. You just kind of got into what the Huskers need to do as a team to go in and get the win, uh, but who on the Husker team needs to step up, or, or what position group needs to step up if the Huskers want to walk out of West Lafayette tomorrow with a win? Center. <laughs> uh, snapping needs to be better. Um, offensive line needs to be better. Um, 
Yeah, offensive line. They got they got to play better. It's it's Purdue. It's not, it's not like they're playing Ohio State or Penn State or um, you know to a lesser degree Iowa. That's either going to have a, a high level of talent in the front seven or um, you know excellent execution. You know it's it's Purdue. So win the trenches. And, and Derek, just kind of on top of that, do you think that? Bob Diaco's defense at Purdue is something that this Nebraska offense can use to exploit to finally get some rhythm going. It's felt like there's been no rhythm all year. Will there be strain tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the the conversation about Bob Diaco's defense this week by Nebraska folks, I think, has been a, a little overrated. Um, I think there's there's a little bit of just people maybe having a gag reflex to the name Bob Diaco and assuming yes. that the defense isn't great. Um, you look at you know, they gave up 37 points to Rutgers, and, you know, I think you get a little bit of, of misperception there. Um, Brandon Vogel kind of tallied the numbers, and they're better in terms of success rate and, like, everything except for um, passing plays. So it's not like, you know, the defense is, is just, you know, butter that you can kind of slice through. Um, so, I, you know, they could, they could – let's see if they have some, some downfield stuff. They're kind of they've kind of been building a little bit, utilizing Austin Allen more, and they've been building a little bit in that regard. So let's see if they can do that. Um, but I, you know, I don't buy into the notion that they're just going to, you know, rattle off 35 points on this Purdue defense because Bob Diaco's, you know, the coordinator. Yeah, Nebraska's not found that defense yet this season to 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 go off. Derek Peterson's with us. Derek can't wait to. See your recap and uh, good stuff uh, this week, as always, with HaleVarsity.com. Have a good weekend. We'll talk soon. Thanks for jumping on, man. Yeah, appreciate you having me. All right. There he is, Derek Peterson. Hail Varsity continues. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. 40 minutes away, some recruiting recon from Greg Smith, the recruiting insider, AOVarsity.com and Magazine. 20 minutes away, the pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports, Bill Dolman. Great to be with you on a Friday. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Give us a follow on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. At Herbal Essence for Elijah on Twitter. So we kind of kicked things off talking about uh, the uh, the national perception and in, in, innuendo of of Frost in year three versus the reality. Now, you did have an announcement today when it comes to the uh, the stadium project and the, uh, the, the, the funding. So things are officially, per the Board of Regents, regents broken down into, into two phases. And phase one will get uh, front and center attention when it comes to fundraising and proceeding and and that is cranking up the the locker room the practice facility improvements for the players versus improvements to the stadium and listen uh, i fine with me right not a huge deal but newsworthy and if you're got to break things down in a financially strapped 2020 what do you want to move forward with you want to improve the facilities to attract more players. So when we look at Nebraska and Purdue, and back to, to what Tom Chattel wrote a little while back about what, what tomorrow is, I mean, 
every game's a big game. Your level of weariness has increased as the season has gone on just because of what we talked about with Derek and what we talk about every preview Friday. Nebraska's inability to to just play the opponent versus playing themselves and the opponent. So I look at, at this situation tomorrow and bowl eligibility is is good for everybody except bowl games are dropping like flies. And the the bowl projections have not included Nebraska. But you beat Purdue, and you can take Purdue's name out of the mix and insert Nebraska into the mix down in Frisco, Texas, against probably Kansas State, okay? And it's there for Nebraska to kind of snap this three-year bowlless streak. And it starts one game at a time, but it starts tomorrow in West Lafayette. You know, if it goes bad tomorrow, why is it going to go bad? It's going to go bad because you'll have snap issues, and it's going to go bad because you're going to have turnovers. And it's going to go bad because some of the guys not opting out tomorrow uh, won't be Bell and Rondale Moore. My fear, if I'm a Nebraska fan, is that Nebraska's secondary that's been really good this year gets lit up. Purdue, Brom, they do a great job of getting dudes in space. They do a good job of getting vertical. They have a tight end that's damn talented. And that's three receivers to to, to jerk with tomorrow because I just don't put any money on Nebraska getting after the quarterback. I just don't. So I would take a page out of Rutgers' book and hold on to that damn football as long as I can and let Brom and Rondale and Bell watch. Uh, and and go to work. And Rutgers ran their quarterback, not named Noah. Nebraska has two quarterbacks. What do they do best? They run the football well. Find the tight end. Get Mills back. Get going downhill. And for the love of God, again, don't be worse than Purdue tomorrow in special teams. Purdue lost last week because they gave up a kickoff return. That was the seven-point difference. That... And Rutgers held the ball for 13 minutes in the fourth quarter. Rutgers, eh, better. But that's a game Purdue should win. Especially the way they dismantled Illinois only to hold on. And then the way they they fought back and, and won a tight game without more. It was just Bell doing work against Iowa. We've seen how good Iowa is at 4-2. and two. They started out 0-2, remember. So... I think Nebraska's secondary is going to need some uncharacteristic help from the front seven with some pressure. And I'm not talking just pure sack numbers, but hurry, right? Get after them. And then it's always, man, it's always about turnovers for Nebraska. Their record is nuts if they're even or they win the turnover battle. But from a field goal standpoint, Purdue struggles there as well. I mean, you look back at the Minnesota game where they got hosed. They got hosed on the phantom call, the interference, the offensive pass interference. They had a field goal blocked, and they had a field goal missed. Okay, so right there, I do like Nebraska's field goal situation. Not in love with their punting, but Nebraska can't give up a touchdown tomorrow. And you look at the Iowa game, right? I mean, what what screwed them 
uh, well, the turnovers in the fourth quarter, but specifically, look look how short the fields were for Iowa to drive, right? I mean, they they were 60, 65 yard or or better starting positions for Iowa last week. So it really is pretty simple. And I, I look forward to, to seeing a good dose of, of Luke and a good dose of Adrian. And I liked what I saw from Adrian throwing the football. I think you can build on that first team to 30. To me, I think this game tomorrow comes down to red zone defenses for both teams. I remember that from Diaco's days at Notre Dame. I remember from Nebraska, his one He's, year here. They're, 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 they're good in the red zone. Yeah, his, his game plan defensively is to let you get to midfield clamp it down once you get past midfield, and if you get down to the red zone, he's going to clamp it down even more. It's hard to score on a Diaco defense traditionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Nebraska's defense is kind of the same way with the amount of snaps they've been very to good. Play. They've been very good down inside their own 30-yard line. So I think that's where this game comes down to. If it becomes a field goal battle... Um, um, I'm betting Nebraska. I'm betting Nebraska, but if Nebraska's defense can't keep Purdue out of the end zone and Nebraska gets down to the red zone and has to kick field goals, obviously you're going to lose that game. Uh, so it sounds easy to say red zone defense. Um, but, but it's I, really I true. It's it? really true. Whichever team has the better red zone defense is probably going to give themselves a really good chance to win tomorrow. Well, and it comes back to Purdue's aerial assault, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, getting Moore and Bell can crush you for a big play. The tight end can hit you for a big play. You don't have to worry about red zone offense if you're scoring on a big play. You know, I mean, missing a tackle or Bell gets deep. What's Nebraska's penalty situation like when it comes to defensive pass interferences or holding defensive holdings tomorrow? Now, clearly, you're going to absolutely tackle some dude if he's got you beat. It's better than giving up a touchdown. But, I, I, you know, I look back to Penn State and Dodson and that receiving crew Penn State had. They're not, they're not Purdue's crew, but Dodson's really damn good. And you look at Ohio State. Nebraska has seen good receiving cores on the field this year. So you may have the best, though, in the Big Ten that are Ohio State tomorrow down in in, uh, in West Lafayette. But I think Nebraska will be up to the challenge. But, again, uh, I think both defenses are, are going to have a hard time being as good as they've been. Mm-hmm. And it's going to come down to... You said it, red zone. Offense versus red zone red zone defense. And I wonder if we'll see a, I don't want to say a, a more conservative, but a more managed frost in the red zone. Last year, cuteness killed Nebraska. We'll wind down hour one next. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Well, we are going to do the Boilermaker Tour with Bill Dolman. I'm sure Bill had a Boilermaker or several with his friend Henry Rollins back in the day on O Street in Lincoln in Duffy's. So we'll talk to Bill Dolman, proud of Fairbury NBC Sports. We may even, dare I ask him about James Harden (laughs) and what he'll do without Russ by his side. Yeah, Russ is in D.C. now. A uh, reminder about moving. Speaking of, of moving, uh, Russell Westbrook. Uh, West Blue Realty. Your friends at West Blue Realty, they're located at 1120 
K Street in Suite 200. I'm talking about Tom Luby. I'm talking about Kelly Hofschneider. Give Tom a shout with West Blue Realty at 402-540-3768. Kelly Hofschneider. Give Kelly a call as well with West Blue Realty, 402-202-2312. If you're looking to make a move, they specialize, West Blue Realty does, in residential home sales in Lincoln and the surrounding communities. And when you mention Hale Varsity, they will and can provide you up to $1,000 off the closing of your next home purchase. Do you have agricultural land? They uh, specialize in uh, that as well. So uh, my point is this. Find West Blue Realty, westbluerealty.com. Get an appointment and get them called today. Numbers to get in, 46637 Seven six four six six thirty seven seventy six eight hundred eight two five five eight six five. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore Radio at Herbal Essence, and can email Chris at HaleVarsity dot com. So uh, a thought here, Elijah. On are you wowed by any weekend games? Anything in the Big Ten that's kind of grabbing you? Aside from Nebraska, Purdue, it, it is going to be on. Larry Johnson, senior, will be coaching Ohio State, but Ohio State will play Michigan State. Of course, you have Michigan; they are canceled. Uh, I wish Penix was playing uh, for Indiana, and he was, and he's not hurt, but he is hurt. He's got another ACL. That that was going to be a, it's still going to be a fun game against Wisconsin for Indiana anyway, but uh, we'll see if Indiana kind of comes back down to earth, and we'll see what Wisconsin's all about now that they know they can't compete for a West Division title. I mean, nothing's too special. It's kind looking. of a garbage weekend of college football, and, and then plus you already have the fact that college football's has such a different feel this year without fans. Uh, the SEC they've done their best that, that that feels a little bit better, but especially in the Big Ten with no fans. Games just feel kind of lifeless at times. That, that's what separates college football apart from the NFL is the fact that there are fans there and the players care because the, I mean, their classmates and everyone mm. that goes to campus is in the stadium watching them. Uh, and, and part of that almost goes away uh, w- without the fans in the stands. So unless there's, I mean, I'll probably watch in BYU Coastal Carolina. That's I have that circled as well. That's, I can't that's wait the one to game I have that. circled twice, but everything else this weekend's. Yeah, and even the NFL slate's not phenomenal. I mean, Kansas City and Tampa turned out to be really good last weekend. And, I mean, I know Cleveland and Tennessee are both 8-3, and three, but Cleveland's beaten, Cleveland's beaten one team with a winning record this year. And, and I like them. I think the fun game of the weekend will be Arizona and the Rams. I mean, that, that could be a score fest. I may have to go belly up somewhere to watch that because Lord knows I won't get that at home. <laughs> Uh, I mean, Denver, Kansas City, Sunday Night Football, but Kansas City should steamroll the Broncos. So. Oh, dude. They should. It's a question of what will they have If to... you're a Denver fan and you're taking a bet later on in the show for a steak and a beer, you better be asking for 17 and a half. That thing could get medieval. Bill Dolan's on the way with Hale Varsity. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Hour two, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. 
Great to be with you on a Friday. It is Boiler Maker Week. The week is coming to an end. It is 5 o'clock, so have yourself a Boiler Maker. We bring in the pride of Fairbury at NBC Sports. Bill Dolman with us and Bill Dolman on Twitter. Billy D, Billy D, tell me about that first Boiler Maker you had with Henry Rollins on O Street in the late 80s. Uh, it, it was one bourbon, one scotch, and one beer. It wasn't a Boilermaker. Okay. Have you ever yeah, had yeah. a Boilermaker? Um, you know, I'd have to – well, here's the deal. If I did, I'd have to go back pretty much to my college days to remember if I had one, but I wouldn't remember having had one. That, thank you. That's, that's eloquently put, not said, obviously. So <sighs> – do you think of the Purdue mascot? Do you think of Drew Brees? Do you think of Big Dog Glenn Robinson? Do you think of Dumb and Dumber when you hear the word Boilermaker? Well, I think of Purdue. Sure. Yeah, why not? I mean, in a, in a sports-minded sense. So, yeah, I mean, I think it, given the fact that it is a fairly unique uh, nickname and it's not someone who frequents Sandy's or the rail as much as I may have done in the past, so therefore I try to be a little more wholesome in how I would think about an institution and it's mascot like the Boilermakers. But I'm sure that there are plenty of places in West Lafayette that specialize in the making of said Boilermakers. I, I think you're right. So what do you think about tomorrow? The line is down to one and a half. Uh, I think there's some good news for Nebraska. There's a, a week's worth of topics to get into, and we'll do that in a moment. But I want to get your take on tomorrow's game. Well, it's very tough. I mean, whenever you're facing a Bob Diaco uh, defense, uh, you know, I think that that's, that's pretty significant. And, and you know he's going to be pretty fired up for the, uh, what was that, about Con- 2000? The, the, the conflict trophy. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what it was. And, uh, you know, he, he wants to make a big deal out of it. And Scott's like, I, I, don't, I don't need this replica of the Michigan AP 1997 National Football Championship piece of wood made in shop class trophy. So uh, you, why, don't you, why don't you just keep it, and maybe we'll find a place for it next year. <laughs> I mean, I, to me, that was one of the, you know, bless his heart for trying something, but and I thought Scott's reaction, you know, this goes back, what, four years, five years? Um, it's 2016. It was just really kind of an odd, and, and there are a lot of these odd, you know, trophies and whatnot that, you know, don't make a lot of sense, but that one clearly did not, and that was a big Bianco swing and a miss, if you ask me. Uh, you know, they, they've lost three in a row. They played in, in every game I think they played has been decided in single digits, if not, you know, one score. Um, they couldn't stop Rutgers, which anytime you say can't stop Rutgers in the same sentence, that that doesn't, you know, bode very well. Um, you know, if Martinez and McCaffrey are, are you know, are just going to continue, if Nebraska is just going to continue to run quarterback left, run quarterback right, um, you know, maybe they can zero in and make the stops they couldn't make last week. Um, unfortunately, Nebraska has become relatively predictable in its offense, and that's just running the quarterbacks. I'm stunned, and I, I, I've got a Was Martinez really 18 of 20 last week? He was good, uh, but it was it was the most uh, subtle 18 of 20 performance by a quarterback, perhaps in in, in history. And I I looked at those numbers and I said, where was Anything of any significance, really. Um, Nebraska's got to get big plays out of the quarterback and more than just running the ball left and right because that will give them a chance to set things up. I know they're without a linebacker and all that. Um, but the, the thing I'm most interested in, in, in seeing, and it, it's the same thing pretty much every week, what kind of effort am I going to get out of my team? And 
other than the, uh, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, the, the Illinois game is one of the most disappointing Nebraska football performances I've seen in my nearly 50 years of watching Nebraska football. It just not a lot of want to. And I, and I, I, I you know, I read Adrian Martinez's comments earlier. We got to want to win. And it's like, well, well, well you got to expect to win. And I know we're down, but you still have to expect to win. And uh, but trying to find the want to to win is is discouraging. But the Purdue game last year had so much quit in it that that was really really tough to watch. A, a winnable game by all stretch all stretches, but there were guys running free downfield, and, and you'd see Nebraska players like, oh, well, I got to make at least it look like I'm somewhere in the the shot, um, and that that stands out to me when you when you don't see the effort from a Nebraska football player. And that that Purdue game, you saw it, just quit and half-assing it, and that's just not acceptable there. And people people recognize it. The Illinois game was awful. You know, the effort was better against Iowa. It was, and it was probably similar to what we saw at the beginning of the season against Ohio State. So that is positive, but. The confidence and the the want to win is is still somewhat missing. Great, there's effort, but there's got to be a want to. And I get that it's boring in West Lafayette. I get that there's no atmosphere, even when there is no global pandemic at a Purdue football game. It's tough to get up for it, uh, but you still got to get up and you got to play and you got to play hard. That's that's what I want to see most. Bill, it sure seems like the Huskers seem to get every team's best shot. I think back to Indiana last year, uh, they had some bulletin board material for uh, Nebraska. I think Purdue, I think it was two years ago, um, they said that uh, they took Scott Frost's press conference comment where he said this is a winnable game and used that as bulletin board material. Uh, but, but it does just feel like every single time the Huskers step on the field against a Big Ten foe, they're getting that team's best shot. Do you think that that has been increased by how the Huskers handled uh, this weird COVID season and their push to play football? Well, I think it's more the fact that they just see a team that, that doesn't have a whole lot of want to. And as a result, you know, coaches are going in there going, oh, let's manufacture some out-of-context quote on a bullet, you know, for the bulletin board. Okay, if that's what you need, then, then go for it. But I think you see, you know, I mean, to me, the, the, if you want to get fired up about playing Nebraska this week, I'd say, and, I, and I'm sure Adrian meant well by it, but to say we need to find, you know, it's about wanting to win. I, if I'm there a coach, I'm saying, guys, they're trying to figure out whether they want to win or not. Go get them. You know, this is a, this is a wounded animal that has self-inflicted its own wounds. And so, you know, go for it. This is, this is a winnable, this, this would be Jeff Brom saying Nebraska is a winnable game. And Nebraska not doing anything about it. And Nebraska shouldn't have to worry about bulletin board material. You know, that's just not the way it should be. But, uh, you know, if I'm Jeff Brom and I'm any other coach, I'm thinking, you know, these guys are down. Go get them. You can get a win out of these guys. might be pretty easy if you get on them early. And unfortunately, <laughs> it might be kind of easy if you get a third down, <laughs> you know. Um, and that's the most discouraging thing about it. I, I'm not sure we're getting everybody's best shot, but I think you're getting people taking advantage of the opportunity of Nebraska, you know, talking itself, you know, down a little bit and being down and, uh, you know, not meeting the expectations for the program, which, again, for me, is effort. 
The effort is the expectation. The winning should be secondary. The pride, you know, is an expectation. The honor of the program, all of that. Uh, and the winning will take care of itself. Bill, a, a thought on today's athlete, and I know I'm winding you up here, but interested in, in your reaction with Adrian and, and Scott talked a little bit about on Monday just the uncomfort level, the, the discomfort of of how you talk to kids or being coached hard and just you need to know personalities and you couldn't yell at uh, example X like maybe example Y could take getting yelled at uh, when maybe you or I were growing up or when Elijah was growing up but you look at it's some um, instances where you've had a lot of attrition and it seems like Nebraska's reached on talent versus guys that can take hard coaching or take criticism or take waiting their turn. You know, I think you, you see a lot of it in today's, you know, younger athlete that they have been coddled all the way through. And, you know, we talk a lot about the transfer portal in college football. Well, things aren't working out here. So I'm going to take my, my IMG certificate and go someplace else and play. Um, and, you know, a lot of that's at the quarterback position. I, you don't read much in the headlines of offensive linemen and defensive linemen and whatnot that, you know, go into the transfer portal, but it's usually the, the special, specialists and the, the skill position type guys who have been, you know, uh, coddled and encouraged, and you see the transferring amongst, you know, from one high school to the other. You know, you see guys who transfer from one state to another so that they get a better opportunity to go play High school ball, if it's not working out for me. And, you know, I think it happened here in Colorado, uh, in Denver, where one of the top high school quarterbacks uh, in my neighborhood out here in South Denver, Highlands Ranch, you know, the kid's pretty good. Uh, things aren't going so well. Team's not that great. So I'm going to transfer. And he, went, he moved to Iowa or something. He's playing in Des Moines. Yeah. He's playing, you know, went to go play his season. This might have been a year ago. Um, and I thought he was, you know, ending up at Kansas State or something. But anyway, you, so you have high school, you know, stars that if it's not going well they'll find an academy they'll you know they'll move to another state the whole family will move i don't i don't think this is you know a a wave that's happening but it is happening if you pay attention and you know guys are getting their you know getting uh making their commitment and getting recruited hard you know when they're 14 15 years of age and so when you're getting coddled at that age by your local coaches by mom and dad who are trying to get your college scholarship and You've been told how great you are for how many years, and all of a sudden, you know, you, you remember Lane Kiffin gave that kid in Delaware, a seventh grader, like a, school, a college scholarship, uh, and, you know, and commitment. And a lot of a lot of guys, you know, the art of winning for a high school football player, and I'm not saying this is for everybody, the art of winning is being coddled, being uh, being given a given a lot, and then when you get at a major institution, you see all the swags and bags that you get. You know, and I've talked about Nebraska's, you know, Nebraska's locker room looks like an law office and you've got bells, whistles and toys. And that's great. And everybody else is doing it. I get it. But you get athletes that think that, you know, once I sign my national letter of intent, I have made it and I'm done. And that's unfortunate. That's a culture that's been created. You know, you, you see it when you get to professional athletes. You know, you've got those guys that are on those free agent or rookie contracts and they have a great couple of years and boom, all of a sudden they go from making – a, you know, a paltry $2 million a year to $20 million a year. And that after they sign that big deal, they ain't that big of a deal anymore. 
And, you know, I, I just think that in some ways it's, it's become too coddled. And, and the want to win isn't there anymore. And that's, that's an unfortunate thing. Bill Dolman's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. You can find Bill on Twitter, at Bill Dolman. And uh, be sure to check uh, Bill out, NBC Sports. Bill, I got a couple, three minutes left here uh, on the topic of, of kind of attrition. And, and you've laid out the problem internally. How do you fix it? If you're Scott Frost, if you don't have somebody in the locker room to make it stop, you've got to set the kids straight ultimately yourself as the coach if you don't have somebody in that locker room that can police the locker room. Well, look, you know, winning's going to solve a lot of this. And if Nebraska is 4-1 and one now and not 1-4, and four, you might have some better attitudes and people don't have the transfer portal on speed dial, right? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, they're not playing college football tender. You know, I don't, I don't want to go here anymore. I don't want to go here. I don't want to go here. I don't want to go here. I'll try that. I'll swipe right. I think that's how that works. Uh, you know, <laughs> so, you know, guys, are, guys, you know, I think if you're winning, I think that – and you have a winning attitude and winning locker room. That's why I think, you know, look, Nebraska's got what? We've talked about it before. Seven or 80 guys in their first, second, or third, or second and a half year mm-hmm. of college football. If those guys can create a culture and a, and a stick together and, and win some games and have a little luck go their way, let's face it, Nebraska's not had a lot of luck. They've had, they've had, uh, they've had no luck and no holding calls, as we, as we read about this week. You know, they haven't had a holding call since the, uh, since the solar chair. Right? right. I was going to say Carter administration, but yeah. 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 You know, so th- there are certainly some things where you're going, man, that is just some bad luck, and there is some bad stuff going on. And, but I, if Nebraska turns it around and you're competitive and you don't have those Illinois games where all of a sudden, you know, that just starts to permeate the mentality. You know, then I think guys are going to be thinking this is a pretty good place to be. But let's face it, some of the guys who are not wanting to be there right now, they're not used to it being, you know, 15 degrees, 20 degrees. And maybe you're seeing, you know, some of the effects of not being able to take some trips to Nebraska during a pandemic. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, re- I remember 100 years ago, I think, the, I think the guy's name was Chad Hunter, but I, I could be wrong on that. But there was a guy who uh, went to Nebraska from Texas and then he spent his first winter in Nebraska, and he thought we had snow up to our shoulders, and it was like maybe, you know, ankle heist, you know, dusting. And he, he leaves and goes, you know, back to Texas because he just couldn't handle the weather, you know. Who knows why some of these guys are making the decisions that they're making. Bill, we got 30 but, seconds. I need a prediction, bud. And uh, always enjoy your predictions here. Give me a score, Nebraska-Purdue, 11 o'clock BTN tomorrow. Well, I don't think Nebraska reaches triple digits. I, I think that's going to be kind of tough to do just because of the atmosphere. But I, I can see Nebraska, you know, getting over 90. You know, uh, I, I, you know let's go back to the good old days and, and maybe uh, a 93 to uh, – let's just give Nebraska 93 and a question mark. Okay. So ninety three to, to ten, something like that. Or eleven. Okay. okay. So, so now let's go ninety three to three to make it scurs by ninety. Okay. For sure. 90, sure. Yeah, that should that should that should push the over. <laughs> I think it's doable. So Rick Alloway's cheering right now with a ninety point three. Okay. Right. <laughs> that was good. That was really good. From, from Avery to Avery Street, <laughs> campus to Cornell, sir. <laughs> Dolman, you take care, brother. It was fun to chat with you. All right, go big red. There he is. I'm still going. Pride of Fairberry, Bill Dolman.
He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hail Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, pre-teen Swedish boy. Not to it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Recruiting time, we are inching closer and closer to mid-December. We welcome in Recruiting Insider with HaleVarsity.com and Magazine, the podcast he does with Jay Foreman. We say hi to Greg Smith, at Greg Smith HV on Twitter. Greg, I, I can smell your grill from here. Please <laughs> divulge what, what recruits you have landed for this weekend. Yes, I've landed a couple of high four stars for the grill. Um, I've got some uh, boneless chicken thighs. We've got bacon wrapped sirloins. We've got a couple of steak skewers. And then we've got uh, cheddar bacon burgers uh, that are on there as well. This is what I would call being proactive, um, trying to get the cook out of the way for game day tomorrow as well. you got to take advantage of this nice weather we've got going on here in Lincoln today. You know, I was a, a day late because I air fried the old chicken breast last night, but you know what's going to happen? I'm going to turn my grill on tomorrow, and oh, look, you're out of propane. I, I know that's right. I know that's what's going to happen. So, uh, big day tomorrow for Nebraska. They are hoping, and they put a ton of effort in to make contact with uh, Roquan Buckley, kid out of Michigan, and uh, super talented defensive end. It's it's down to Sparty, it's down to Nebraska, and I don't know that Sparty's staff and Nebraska's staff will exchange holiday cards. Is that fair? <laughs> that is fair, um, which, hey, I'm all for kind of these spicy rivalries within the league. I feel like they've actually kind of increased over this last year, as crazy as the world has been. Um, I feel like the, maybe it's all the time that these coaches have had to spend on Zoom together. Uh, maybe that's fueling it. Uh, but no, Nebraska staff and Michigan State staff, no love lost there, but that's who's battling for Ruquan Buckley. is a guy that Nebraska has put a lot of time in. Um, it was weird to say that he's one of the few kind of out-of-region guys that's been able to visit Nebraska during this recruiting cycle. If you remember back to January when they were able to hold that junior day, he actually made the trip out um, for that. So he's, he has been on campus, and he's kind of a little bit more familiar than you know most recruits out of a place like Michigan would be with Nebraska and how the campus and, and facilities are. Um, he has a really, really good relationship with uh, defensive line coach Tony Chuiotti, um, and he will be making his announcement tomorrow. I I am leaning towards the Huskers on this one, but I had to give myself a little wiggle room uh, because Sparty's not going away and they are the local school. Give me a thought on, on Buckley, uh, just to refresh, because it's, it, it's been COVID 2020. So, I mean, the, the recruiting that Nebraska's done has been impressive since you can't visit, you can't observe, and vice versa. I mean, kids really can't get here. So, your thought on on Buckley's biggest strength and uh, and where I guess a player comparison is the best way to ask yeah I think that he you know he goes six five two eighty he's a kid biggest strength, I give you two, versatility um, is one thing that I like about him because he's been recruited by for offensive and defensive line by different colleges. Um, he settled in on defensive line, and I think I talked to him um, just a couple of weeks ago, and he told me that where he thought his game improved the most was his hands, and being able to play with his hands along the defensive line after really being able to focus in um, on playing the position because Michigan, they started late with high school football, but they were able to play, um, and so he said that really 
really helped his game out um, a ton. So I, I think that to me, he he reminds me a little bit. If you a couple of years back in Nebraska's class of Mosai Newsom, um, a guy who's going to be a high motor kid who's got a really nice frame to him. Um, and Newsom is a guy that we don't hear a ton about publicly, but I know Nebraska staff really likes him. So I, I think he favor kind of comparably to him, a guy that can in a couple of years be in the rotation uh, on defensive line. Greg, I want to go to the attrition topic. Uh, you, uh, if you're Nebraska, you've lost five kids from from Florida in the 2020 class. And uh, give us your your take and read on things. The, the why, the why you lose a a guy like Fleming, the why you see Fleming do what he did uh, against Northwestern, and then gone. Same with with Delancey, two really talented kids that chose to take off. Yeah, I think sometimes, and it, it's really crazy because the the most glaring like example of this is Fleming, where sometimes a guy is super talented and can go out there and produce for you on the field, but do you allow that at the expense of what's happening Monday through Friday, right, or Sunday through Friday? Um, and is that player then willing to do everything necessary uh, to be a, a part of the larger team uh, and improve the culture at large, right? Um, um, and when you're in the stage of the, the program that Nebraska is in, you cannot take that many chances on having guys like that around. Um, and so then on the flip side, um, if you're a guy like Fleming, like Delancey, some of these other guys, and you're not playing as much and the team is losing, you might look around and think, hey, I, I, can, I can just go ahead and get out of here. But also, because it is a little bit more in the culture down in South Florida that you kind of jump schools. Remember, a lot of these kids there in high school um, go to, you know, two, three different high schools during their high school career. Uh, so maybe it's just a little bit more, it's just a little bit more normal for them to bounce around than it would be from some other places. Greg, we heard earlier this week Scott Frost at his uh, press conference saying that uh, he thought maybe the Huskers had recruited the right athletes but not the right individuals to Nebraska, not the right people that are going to fit within this program. And I remember talking, I believe it was with you, uh, earlier this year on the show about how Nebraska uh, has sent out more power or offers uh, to recruits than any other Power 5 school in the country. Uh, and that's kind of what Nebraska's MO has been under Scott Frost. Do you see that changing in the future uh, as Scott kind of realizes what kind of guys he needs to bring into this program? Um, not necessarily with the offers thing, because I think the, the offer situation, I think, is tied to making sure that a kid knows that Nebraska is seriously interested in him so that he can then take one of those unofficial visits on his own dime. I think a lot of kids, um, because it's just hard to get to Nebraska a lot of times for these kids, um, and they're not in driving distance. So before, I'm going to take that long trip um, from Texas or from Jersey or from Washington or California. I need to know uh, that you guys are serious about me. So I think it's more tied to that. But I do think that Nebraska will, will take a little bit different of approach and maybe trying to do a deeper dive on getting to know kids and, and what type of teammate they are and, wh- and what type of student they are, you know, how they are in the community, that sort of thing um, will probably get weighed a little bit heavier going forward than just, hey, we can get guy X, mold him into what we needed to be off the field and kind of go from there because his talent is so great. Um, you may see a little bit of a shift in that case. Greg, do you worry about the culture at, at Nebraska? And I, and I hate to go back into culture, but you're bringing in high-level athletes, uh, guys that may have a different idea or have gotten by on talent, 
but there's a standard you're trying to set. And, you know, the the policing needs to happen within the locker room. Is there enough respect level built up in the current locker room with the one and four season to to be able to call a guy out and have it be effective? Yeah, I I do worry about it just because we're still kind of talking about this. To be honest, like the the, the reason um, that like even having this conversation at this point in year three does make me a little bit nervous. Um, but I do feel like with the with each passing year under Frost, I think you do you are getting more buy in from guys and more of the culture that he wants. And I think that you heard it kind of in what Adrian was saying. Um, I think it was this week about you know how guys take feedback and criticism. Um, and you're just going to have to mold that a little bit to how 2020s athletes are versus, say, when Scott was playing in 97 and how things happened then. Um, so I do worry about it a little bit. Um, but I also think that Nebraska needs to make, like sort out what it is that they're going for on the recruiting trail um, and how they eventually want this thing to look uh, moving forward because that does start with who they're recruiting. Two Florida kids, one in the transfer portal, another a monster target. Uh, we'll start with Patrick Payton. Any nervousness that he uh, doesn't end up in Lincoln? Oh, there's always a little bit of nervousness when, the, so a couple of things. He's having a huge season or had a huge season um, for his team down down in South Florida. Um, a lot of sacks. He, he's been very productive, so that's going to raise his recruiting profile. He's no longer a hidden gem down there. Um, so that oh, that makes you a little bit nervous. I know Miami, Florida State, those schools are still all over him. I think Penn State has faded a little bit um, in that pursuit, but I think that Nebraska has been well aware that they were going to have to continue to recruit him uh, through throughout the process. And I think right now I'm comfortable saying that he's going to end up being in the class, um, but it is recruiting. You, you never know things change quickly. Milton, is he uh, on Nebraska's radar? Is Nebraska on his radar? Or is it a situation where McKenzie will look at a Florida State uh, or, or an old Miss? So that, that, that's going to be super interesting. I have not heard really anything one way or the other yet on that. Um, Mum's been the word so far on my end. I personally think that they should at least kick the tires on it to see um, what his feelings are about coming to Nebraska. Um, but I don't know if I, I would be. I, I think Nebraska would have more interest, to my in my opinion, than Milton would have in coming here, just because the situation isn't the greatest uh, for like he. I don't know if he's going to put them over the top per se uh, next year. Greg, uh, let's go to the islands. It'd be nice to to do a, an in person story and radio show. <laughs> from the islands, but uh, got outside linebacker Wyndon Hohuli, uh, Hawaiian kid, also uh, Titus the wideout, uh, a talented receiver that's going to wait till February, but where's Nebraska in on those two from Hawaii? So out of those two, I like Nebraska's changes more with Wyndon Hohuli, uh, the linebacker from Hawaii. I think that he's a kid that's about 6'3", 220, has some position flexibility to play either inside or outside. He's a good run-and-hit kid. Um, I like Nebraska's chances. They've been on him, uh, I think, well over a year now. Um, and even though, obviously, he hasn't been able to visit Nebraska, which I think was the thing that he was holding out a lot of hope um, that the dead period would end up being lifted. So was Titus. Um, but it, it just isn't happening. I think Wyndon at this point is more comfortable, will make a decision um, in January for that what, what will now be virtual All-American game 
uh, that usually happens on ABC each January. He'll make his decision announcement there. Um, Titus will take it, like I said, to February, and it'll be really interesting to see how things go with him in Nebraska. Nebraska is recruiting him as a wide receiver. He's about 6'1", 190. Um, he's a good player, tough kid, um, but you may see if there's maybe if there's more wide receiver attrition or anything like that postseason, you can see Nebraska. That's where you can see Nebraska really make a strong push for him. Greg, I'm going to hold you on over to a, another quick segment. Hang on two seconds. Sounds good. More with Greg Smith and uh, recruiting insider HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, seatbelts can reduce risk of fatal injury by 60%. Your best defense in any crash. Buckling up. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. More with Greg Smith, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Friday forecast. Clausburn on the way with Hale Varsity. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, wrapping up with Greg Smith, Hale Varsity Radio, uh, recruiting insider at Greg Smith HV on Twitter. His podcast with Jay Foreman must listen to on the Herd Ad Media Network. HaleVarsity.com is where you find it. Also, uh, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Uh, let's talk about Savea, the uh, defensive lineman out of Vegas. Where do things sit with him? Yeah, I think Nebraska's in a good spot with Savea. He's gone really quiet um, since I think the last, maybe even, well, actually, I was going to say the last thing he tweeted out was that he was kind of shutting his recruitment down and focusing on school, but actually the last thing that he was tweeting out was like live tweeting a Husker game, um, which is really a, probably a really good sign for Nebraska's chances here. Um, I think he ends up in the class, and he's part of a kind of a weird domino effect with defensive line um, and why it's so difficult to kind of pin down who are going to be be the final couple of defensive linemen in the class um, because if he's going to have a spot then there's really only probably one more spot left for a defensive lineman Um, and he's definitely a must-take kid Um, so that's where it gets really interesting and trying to fit the puzzle pieces with the 2021 class. Well you're looking at what 23 maybe 25 do you keep a couple spots open and uh, the the token of Ante Dickerson maybe (laughs) maybe maybe flip I don't know. That's what, and that's the thing that you have to weigh, which is it, it's funny. I feel like I say this almost every year, and that that's what makes guys like Sean Dillon, director of uh, player personnel for Nebraska, makes those jobs so hard. Is that yes, you have twenty five open spots, um, but especially in this year, you better keep a spot or two open uh, for a transfer because as we've seen, we've talked about with Nebraska, with UCF, with other programs, um, there's been transfers galore. So guys are going to come available. This will lead us into the Friday forecast. So, Greg, give us your thought Saturday, Nebraska-Purdue. Yeah, it's two similar teams, and if you listen to Jeff Brom this week, it sounds a lot like Scott Frost press conferences. They've got to find a way to win close games. They've got to eliminate mistakes. They've got to play better on special teams. Um, and so it's kind of interesting that way. It's which team um, can figure out how to right some of those wrongs. Purdue obviously has a couple of dynamic playmakers and more uh, in David Bell. Um, but I think Nebraska should be able to move the ball against Purdue um, and then try to make Purdue's offense one-dimensional. I think Nebraska can come out with a victory here, uh, but I think it's going to be close, like somewhere in like the 
27-21 range. Uh, I'll go with the big red. The uh, the line is down to uh, one and a half points. Uh, that means a, a few things. We don't know who, but it could be some impactful guys that may have opted out for Purdue yep. or they have COVID. The other side of it is maybe Nebraska's getting a shot in the arm back. Maybe you see Mills tomorrow running the football. Not that Mills is worth a whole point by himself, but just the fact that maybe Mills and Tompkins are back uh, from the injury bug. Greg, enjoy the uh, the grill at Greg Palooza tomorrow <laughs> during the uh, Nebraska-Purdue game. We expect tweeted picks, okay? I will do that. You guys enjoy the game. Good stuff from Greg Smith. We'll see how many picks Nebraska football can get. Only nine sacks allowed in uh, several hundred dropbacks by Purdue quarterbacks. Interesting Husker game day tweeting out. The Purdue-Nebraska line has jumped around this week from anywhere around uh, Nebraska getting a half a point to now two and a half points to down to one and a half points. The public mood shifting, and I'm reading the Husker game day tweet, shifted to 55% of all bets on Purdue and about 90% of the money on the Boilermakers. So I sent a quick text to our dear friend Danny Burke with VEASAN. He's he's hitting the airwaves in about 15 minutes. And he's like, look, there's been a lot of buyback on the Husker game because it's almost a pick right? One and a half points. He says, so later, sharp money will be hitting Nebraska. Mm. 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 Good to have an expert on the inside. (laughs) Hey, thanks. Is that a cardigan? No, it's a cardigan. It's not a pullover. Dumb and dumber quote. Again, the Boilermaker. I need to go actually watch that scene. Well, this was the uh, this is when they're in the the van running running away from sea bass, speeding away. Mm. Let's get into the forecast. Clausburn has swallowed too many balloons, and we miss him another week. <clears throat> it's all right. This is for the steak and the beer bets. Lord, I don't think I like that. <laughs> you just want to do, you want to save the steak and the beer for five minutes from now? Yeah, let's do that. All right. We can do, we can do Denver, Kansas City. That'll be fun. Sure. Let's do that. All right, cool. What's the, is it supposed to snow? Or are they already no. played in Donkey Land? Uh, it's not supposed to snow. Is it in Denver or is it in Kansas City? It's in Kansas City. Okay. Yeah, it already snowed in Denver for the first game this year. So. Yeah, that's what I thought I remember. All right, let's get to it. Forecast is this. Indiana at Wisconsin. Badgers minus 13 and a half. I think Indiana is going to make this interesting. They were buried against Ohio State and came back. The difference being no Penix. And I don't know a whole hell of a lot about the Indiana backup, but I know the lines of scrimmage are good. And I know the run game has been solid, although that Indiana's back may be a bit dinged. But I like... I liked Indiana finding a way to get their receivers to football. Really good talent. Really, really good skill. Wisconsin wins. I think Indiana covers this. I think the Badgers win by about 10. Uh, 31-21. It could be all wet. I, I like Indiana to cover this. I also Ab- like, Above all. I also like Indiana to cover this, and I'm actually going to predict a, a straight-up Indiana win. So you think they're going to beat Wisconsin? I do. I'm still stuck with Wisconsin coming off of the COVID week. And crushing Michigan. Maybe that's a lot of about Michigan. 
Yeah, I don't think Wisconsin's had the the opposition this year, uh, and they don't have anything to play for anymore either. Whereas Indiana, they need some help, but they could still make uh, a play for the Big Ten Championship game, assuming Ohio State doesn't get in the game next week, and that's a whole other conversation. But I think Indiana gets the win straight up in a close one. Indiana 28, Wisconsin 27. BYU, Coastal Carolina, the Cougs by 10. Coastal Carolina is fun. But BYU's a whole lot of trouble. We're talking grown men with many people in their family with minivans. I think this is going to be, it's a cross-country trip, but I like BYU double digits in this thing, and it'll be on the Ocho, so good luck finding it. But give me BYU 41, Coastal Carolina 27. Yeah, I don't see Coastal Carolina's defense stopping Zach Wilson and BYU. I think that offense is really good. Remember, Coastal Carolina got outgained by Kansas whenever they beat them. They won the game. That's all that matters. Uh, but I got BYU 44, Coastal Carolina 20. BYU. So rolls. it's just a smackdown. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the old B- <laughs> the old Boise game. Difference being the third team quarterback. Let's dive into Nebraska and Purdue. Purdue favored by one and a half. Give me Nebraska first team to 30. And I think Nebraska's defense does just enough. I think if Mills is back, along with the quarterback run game, that is the difference. First team to 30, Nebraska 31, and Purdue 28. Another nail-biter, but Nebraska gets it handled this time. I think it's a one-possession game. Uh, I'm going to disagree with you. I don't think either team gets to 30, uh, but I do think it's a good one-possession game. A lot of field goals from both teams. Do some quick math here. I got the Huskers 23, and uh, what was my math here? 23 and uh, Purdue 18. Okay, five field goals. Wait, sorry, 17. Bad, okay. terrible math. It's all right. You're in broadcasting. Uh, so we both say Nebraska, and we will both be heartbroken Monday if it's another one possession loss. We'll wind down a Friday weekend edition tomorrow, but back for one last shot after this. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at hailvarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery, our old boy Seth Lazari's. He's giving me the thumbs up. He's giving me the the the, the non finger, the thumb, with with my picks. That makes me feel good. Uh, crashing down. No word on my picks here. <laughs> crashing down Sunday morning, man. Like, oh, what was I thinking? I was listening to Schmidt and his picks. All right, this is the most important pick. And I know Seth Lazarius is a donkey fan, Denver fan, big-time Denver guy. He's so cool, he's probably hung out with John Elway. And Elijah Herbal is the biggest Denver fan I know, and he wears that 97 AFC championship. Mm-hmm. AFC, let's say it can't be 96. That AFC, that AFC 97 uh, conference championship sweatshirt from time to time. It's been miserable, but at least you'll have a quarterback and not a wide receiver Sunday. Uh, right? I mean, you, well, you'll, you'll have some quarterback back. Uh, yes. Nothing yes. it'll matter. Yeah, calling Drew Locke a quarterback after seeing, an NFL quarterback after seeing how what he's done this season might be a stretch. But Everybody was on that kid early. Yeah. 
it just, he's, he's had a lot thrown in his face this year, so I'm not going to judge him based off this year, but I'm not that hopeful anymore. So the line is what? Vegas has it at 13 and a half. 13 and a half. You're going to take your, your Broncos, or yeah. you will risk losing that card to just go... I'll take buffet table on the edibles every time you go to Denver. <laughs> I'll take the Broncos if I can stretch that line to 14 and a half. Yeah, easy. No, I was going to probably give you it's probably going to give you 16. I don't need 16. <laughs> yes, you will. No, no, no. Do you think it's two touchdowns? Um I think the Chiefs really f- flex their muscle early. And the Broncos have shown themselves to be a second-half team. And Denver hanging around. I, I think it's more the Chiefs are up, like, 21 at halftime, and they kind of let their foot off the gas. In the Here's my half. question. Is, is Kansas City as laser-focused? Because you saw them jump out. Think of the last two weeks Kansas City's had. Mm-hmm. Dogfight, Vegas, and they win in incredible fashion, 35-31. And you saw the hangover last week where Atlanta just went pinata on Vegas. Mm-hmm. The, the hangover. Yeah. And then they go from Oakland, from Vegas, swear jar, they go from Vegas to Tampa. And they jump out at 17 rip over Brady and company. And then they hang on 27 24. And <laughs> somehow Tampa covers that number. So I'm wondering. It's Denver, you have Vegas to avenge your loss, and I won that one. And because I, I got. Not going to let me forget that. <laughs> it, was, it just happened. Because uh, I, took, I, took, I took Vegas in the eight. I think you might be onto something where it's probably a double digit win. Mm-hmm. But it I'm might. I'm confident it's a double digit win for the Chiefs. I, I say Kansas City wins it by 17. Okay. I think I think they are that good and that locked in to repeat that they're just going to mow everybody. We'll come back and check the tape. I got the Chiefs up like 24 to 3 at halftime and they end up winning again. I like filet mignon. <laughs> Talk to you tomorrow morning, weekend edition 7 a.m. Have a good